0: believe that humans are made in the image of God and that the Lord Jesus died for each one we will treat each person in that light if we believe this is this is not the only life and that there is indeed a life after death and an eternal perspective we will look at material things differently if we believe that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof As it says in Psalms, we will treat our physical environment with respect and care. If we believe that God loves us and wants the best for us, we will live by his guidelines for relationships and lifestyle. And in all these and many other areas, we may find that at some stage, we are swimming against the flow of our society. And the teaching team is responding to requests for dealing With these situations by looking at how Daniel and his friends dealt with them in an in-depth study of Daniel that will be coming up in the following weeks and we're going to do a sort of retrospective introduction by way of Jeremiah today so you can see from this I love Excel spreadsheets Um, you can see from this that Daniel and Jeremiah's lives overlapped and that um, Daniel's early years were which was spent in presumably Jerusalem but certainly in Judah and then he was taken into exile in that middle one and so Jeremiah was still um, speaking in Judah and Daniel had gone to been taken to Babylon and we know that Daniel was aware of Jeremiah because in the ninth chapter of, Jer- of Daniel he basically quotes from a letter that Jeremiah wrote to those exiles which is in Jeremiah chapter 29 so there's a, an obvious link as well I have put on the right some of the other historical things that are happening and you'll notice that around the same sort of time Buddha and Confucius were alive in different parts of the world obviously okay so the hist- brief look at the historical situation there's the Babylonian Empire after they had, at the, the height of its power, towards um, after basically after the end of Jeremiah's life, um, the northern part of Israel had been already conquered by the Assyrians about a century before, and a mass deportation had taken place when nearly thirty thousand um, Jewish people were taken off by the late 600s a tiny kingdom of Judah so basically just around Jerusalem not very much more than a lot not a lot of land around there was being squeezed between Babylon which is roughly where Iraq or it's in where Iraq is nowadays and and Egypt which was trying to be a power not very successfully so that's the situation they were they had been besieged under Hezekiah's uh, rule um, and successfully um, God's help had managed to withstand but they were definitely under pressure at this point and Jeremiah's message for over 40 years was pretty consistent firstly that there was a living God in chapter 10 verse 10, 10 he says the Lord is the true God he is the living God the eternal King and in that light everything else Is to be seen so consequent upon that idolatry or worship of anything other than God is wrong and especially so for the people of God who were those who were called by his name and worshipped at the temple and again in consequence of that immorality is wrong especially when committed alongside a form of religious observance and in fact Part of Jeremiah's um, problem was that there were plenty of people, there were priests, there were other prophets There were plenty of people who said they believed in this God and who worshipped at the temple and took sacrifices and so on But actually didn't have a heart um, relationship with God And so therefore his his message basically was that there would be a judgement in their case this was going to be by foreign conquest and he kept observing over and over and over again you will be conquered by the Babylonians, they will come, the king will be taken away etc etc and that will be the inevitable con- consequence but he also had a message of hope that there is a different future for the people, people with a heart for God both personal and national restoration So he was definitely somebody who was swimming against the flow. Let's look at what we can learn from Jeremiah. So firstly I want to look at three things um, under the heading I guess of Jeremiah's motivation. What kept him going in these extremely challenging circumstances? And these are things that will keep us going in similar, to some extent similar circumstances. First of all, he was certain of God's call now to him God's call came personally and directly and to us it may not be quite so direct but we have all the words of the Bible we have all the words of the Lord Jesus things that were things like when he said you will be my witnesses go and make disciples those sort of things where the Lord tells us what we should be doing but for Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 it says the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you in the womb I knew you that of course is true of us too before you were born I set you apart I appointed you as a prophet to the nations now he like Moses he wasn't that keen he says our sovereign Lord I don't know how to speak I am only a child it's unlikely he was actually a child but he may well have only been a teenager And certainly he meant I am totally inexperienced and inadequate for this job. But the Lord said to me, don't say, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. One of the 365 times in the Bible where it says not to be afraid. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. So he was very conscious of that throughout his life and that he had this personal calling from God. Um, the Lord gives us a promise too in Luke 12. He says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say and in my Bible I have a tiny note that says HMC 1967 Sid Evans now that is quite a while ago HMC is Hobart Matrick College which is now the funeral place on Letitia Street and the highway Hobart Matrick College 1967 was my matric here. I was 15 turning 16 and we had a a history modern modern history it was actually Tudor and Stuart Reformation history teacher called Sid Evans who was a definite character and one of the things he very unprofessionally did was to run down Christianity in class and that really wasn't done then and shouldn't be done now either and he I remember one time he made a comment about something He won't go into the details and I you know being young and whatever the word is obstreperous or something there were other Christians in the class as well but anyway I basically took him on and challenged him on it, and i don't know where the words came well, I do know where the words came from. I opened my mouth not knowing what I was really going to say, and somehow they they came out enough to stop him at least at that time and i remember i don't think I even knew that verse then, and when I came across that verse, I went that's what happened. somehow I had words that Sid shut up after I said them so to me that was a really and still is 50-something years later still a really you know a, I still think that moment of where the Lord gave me the words and Jeremiah had that all the way through his life um, secondly he had a really uh, he he f- he found reluctantly that he couldn't help but speak it was a bit tough because he had a he had a lot of opposition So in chapter 20 he'd already been he'd been um, he'd been beaten and he says I'm ridiculed all day long verse 7 everyone mocks me whenever I speak I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction which was clearly really popular so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long But if I say, and he obviously got to this stage where he said, if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, because clearly life would be a whole lot easier that way. His word is in my heart like a burning fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And so for him, he almost felt like he had no choice but to speak the word of the Lord. And then the third thing that I think lay beneath his motivation is he knew the reality of faith even through all the struggles. And in chapter 16 verse 19 he says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress. And these are words that we can claim as well. In chapter 17 he looks at the alternatives and then he says, but... Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And I thank my brother for this beautiful picture. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And he is speaking really of... If that tree, if that stream dried up, there would be water beneath the surface that the roots would go down to. And Jeremiah knew somewhere in his being that he could be like that. And so can we. There's a verse in Colossians 3:16 that says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." and somewhere or other I saw a translation of that that said, "Let the word of Christ go down." deep if we have that as a foundation in our lives then we will be able to withstand all sorts of things and we will also have the motivation to reach out to others from a a bedrock foundation in God I think it's Whittier said the steps of faith fall on the seeming void and find the rock beneath and I had something of that experience in June two thousand and four, when my life was a mess. And I was reading Psalms, and I was reading one night before I went to sleep. And if you know, you, you go to a familiar passage, and I can't remember which psalm it was. I went, you know, you think, oh yes, I know that one. And then I thought, no, I'm actually going to slow down. I'm not going to skim read. I'm going to really try and take in each word and not just skim through. And I still remember the sensation of feeling like my feet had touched the bottom finally and suddenly it was like half an hour later and I hadn't realized the time had gone that I'd been reading and so we will find as Jeremiah did that the roots could go down and he could stand in a very difficult situation so his motivation was one we can learn from that we can be certain of God's call that we can't but help speak what we know about him and that we can know that reality of faith as a foundation and secondly we can learn from his consistency and courage um, he stuck to his message for decades he um, was uh, you could if you remember back to that um, spreadsheet he was around for a long time um, he became very well known and in fact we even find that when the Babylonians did conquer Jerusalem the Babylonian commander knew of him. So his, his, what he'd been saying had spread to around all around the countries. And he did not hold back because of unpopularity or opposition. So the things that happened to him. Chapter 11 he was plotted against. He said he didn't even realise. He said he was like a sheep. Um, how does he say this? Um, I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter I had no idea they were plotting against me he said innocently at that point um, in chapter um, 20 as I've already said he was beaten and um, put in the stocks by the chief officer of the temple no less such a somebody you would think might be going to support him um, he was threatened with death in chapter 26 says he was threatened with death by the priests, the prophets and a mob of people Again, people you might have thought would support him um, he in chapter 37 it's the beginning of quite a long imprisonment he was first of all put in a dungeon and then eventually he was eventually held in the courtyard of the guards in a better position and um, he also was thrown into a cistern it says it's a, like a well in chapter 38 it's, it's An interesting story because it shows various things one is that um, the officials didn't like what he was saying where he said whoever stays in this city will die basically the sword and famine and plague etc etc and that the city will be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon who will capture it and the officials said this man should be put to death he is discouraging the soldiers he was undermining morale Who were left in the city and so on and the king was very weak Zedekiah by this stage very weak he says he's in your hands the king can do nothing to oppose you so fat lot of use Zedekiah was even though he knew already Zedekiah at several other instances you can tell that he did at some level believe what Jeremiah was saying so they put him into this cistern had no water in it only mud and he sank down into the mud but Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, my father used to always like this, this part of the story and tell us. He was an official, he was an Ethiopian. And he went and said to the king, hang on, he's going to die if he's down there. The whole city is starving, there's no hardly any bread and he's going to die down there. How can You can't do that to him. So the king goes, oh well, go and get him out. <laughs> like I said Zedekiah was like... And... He says take 30 men and lift him out and the nice thing the thing that dad used to really like about this is that Ebert Melak said well, put these old rags down as well so he can put these under his arms so that the ropes won't cut when they pull him out it's a really thoughtful and, and gracious thing to do and so they got him out and he remained in the courtyard of the guards so he had a long imprisonment even though he was um, eventually rescued from the, w- the well thing and what I want to point out there is that all of these things happened and in between he kept he bought a field and he did various other things and the Lord told him to buy a field this is long-term courage and consistency this is not the rush of adrenaline where you do something quick and brave and it's you've got all that sort of torture to you know to get you through the instant this is decades of sticking with it okay so a third thing that we can learn from is that going against the flow can involve sacrifice and struggle it's not easy it's not easy to swim against the flow as we know in general in a physical sense Um, there were other prophets who told the people more what they would want to hear so it was not easy to be um, to stand out amongst them he didn't have marriage or children and in fact the Lord specifically told him not to do that because the Lord says there they would the children and the mothers will die of diseases they will not be mourned or buried but they'll be like refuse lying on the ground and they'll perish by sword and famine so the Lord said don't don't take a wife and don't have children Um, And he was often in tears or despairing. And in fact, we probably know more about somebody's inner um, struggles of Jeremiah more about anybody else than anybody else apart from perhaps David, because Jeremiah is really um, out there in saying, "I'm despairing. This is terrible. um, I'm, I'm, I'm a reproach to people. All of that." But somehow his fellowship with God in the IVF Bible dictionary says that he was able to withstand timidity, anguish, helplessness, hostility, loneliness, despair, misunderstanding and failure. And he kept going through all of that. So it was not an easy easy ministry that he had. So another thing we can learn from is Jeremiah's stickability again one of my father's favourite words, as I said Jeremiah's career was over decades he stuck with it he didn't keep he didn't say well this is really too hard I'm going to go home to Anathoth where he had land and just be a farmer and give up. He showed what might be called even grim determination and it was powered by the motivation that we've said discussed before and I would like to point out that he did have some friends and he also had people who were reluctant friends who were officials and so on who kind of knew, you can sort of tell that they know in their heart that what he's saying is going to be right. They can see the political situation themselves. They can see that they're likely to be taken over by the Babylonians and when he says this is going to happen they're pretty sure he's right and they, they do support him. And even, as I said, King Zedekiah weakly recognised um, Jeremiah's message was likely to be right, but in chapter thirty-six we have a, a very interesting um, w- an a, um, incident, an incident that could have been extremely discouraging. No doubt, was at the time. So Jeremiah had a scribe named Barak, Barak the son of Neriah, and so he, the Lord, told him. The Lord told Jeremiah, take a scroll and write on it all the words I've spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah until now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear, they will turn from their wicked ways, etc. So Jeremiah called Barak the son of Neriah and while he dictated all the words, Lord had spoken to him Barak wrote them on a scroll which would have looked something like this perhaps not quite so battered but then Jeremiah told Barak I am restricted I can't go to the Lord's temple because as I've said at that point he was still in the courtyard of the guard in some sort of imprisonment <clears throat> so Barak went off and read the words in the Lord's temple and people went they didn't go we're going to repent they went oh shucks this is going to be really a problem so some of them who obviously sort of they were on Jeremiah's side they went goodness me if the king hears about this this is going to be really bad news for Jeremiah so they basically went in great fear and said we must report all these words And they said to Barak tell us how did you come to write all this did Jeremiah Dictated. this is a, it's a very interesting um example of how the bible came to us this is one of the most obvious ways in which we know that it was actually written down at the time yes barrack replied he dictated, dictated all these words to me and i wrote them in ink on the scroll then they said you and jeremiah go and hide this is not good news so they took the, took it to the king and the king not the right one was sitting by it was winter and he was sitting with a fire burning in a fire pot a bit like a brazier in front of him and when Yehudi and so they read it to the king when they'd read three or four columns I'll go back you see how it's in columns there when they had unscrolled and they start from Hebrew starts from the right doesn't it so when they started he'd read three or four columns the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot and when we used to have youth group whizzes, where is the only place in the Bible where the word penknife occurs and in the authorised version that's scribe's knife, it's the knife that you take to, to make a quill sharp, it's a good sharp knife that you have for that special knife and the king cut them off with the scribe's knife, threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire, the king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear nor did they tear their clothes this is not the last time in history when the Word of God has been burned by people who didn't want to hear it as though by burning it you can get rid of it no that doesn't work the Word of God is in people's hearts the Word of God has been is not bound it says somewhere in Scripture and this was not going to work and even though some of the king's men urged him not to burn the scroll he wouldn't listen to them and he sent people off to arrest Jeremiah and Barak. And that didn't, and they, because they'd been warned to hide, they were safe. But what happened? Jeremiah, what did I say about stickability? Good old Barak as well. Take another scroll, the Lord said, and write on it all the words that were in the first one. So we start right over again, and at this point we're in our chapters in the Bible, we're in chapter 36. So feel free to go home and start writing Jeremiah this afternoon. It will take you, you know, sometime into tomorrow. And write on it all. So Jeremiah took another scroll, gave it to the scribe Barak son of Neriah, and as he dictated, Barak wrote on it all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim king of Judah had brought, burned in the fire, and many similar words were added. So... That is stickability. Not to be discouraged, not to say, oh dear, that's all that work gone. I was going to say gone down the tube, it's not gone down the tube, it's gone up in flame, gone up in smoke. So he was, he had great stickability. And then finally, I wanted to consider the fact that he had great clarity of vision. And that is where we need to, too. We need to be very careful how we uh, live in our society and the values that underpin what we do and what we say and how we interact with people. Jeremiah had the, in some ways, we might think it's an advantage that the word word of the Lord came to him directly. And there's a lot of times that the word of the Lord, it says this is the word of the Lord or declares the Lord or declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty, Anybody like to hazard a guess how many times total that those phrase phrases occur? Good guess, good guess, it's close. Yeah, it's over 350 anyway. And That was with my quick going through last night on a computer sort of search. Yeah, it's incredible. It's over and over and over and over again. Now, we have the whole word of the Lord in the Bible. We can be quite certain of what we can see and what we are based on. His message was relevant to both the political and social problems of the time and I put it to you that we what we say should be too. but it was also rooted in the reality of the living God. He saw beyond the immediate disastrous present to the restoration of Israel and the possibilities for those with a heart relationship with God and so I want to close by looking at some of the more positive I guess you might say um, verses throughout um, Jeremiah that we can um, lean on ourselves in chapter and these are there were many despairing ones as well these are the ones where he sees sees beyond the the physical realities of his situation to what the reality of God in chapter 9 verse 24 he says but let him who boasts boasts about this that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these I delight declares the Lord Then in chapter 29 is the letter to the exiles. He wrote, so the people who'd been taken, like Daniel, in the first lot of people who'd been taken off to to Babylon, he wrote a letter to them. And this also speaks to us as well. He told them to settle down in Babylon, to marry, to, to find wives and have children. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. And then he says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon I will come to you and bring you back to this place and these are the verses that we often claim for ourselves as well for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you declares the Lord aren't they wonderful verses There's such a wonderful promise for people who seek to know the Lord then in verse chapter 31 verse 3 there is the um, beautiful words when I can find them I have loved you with an everlasting love I have drawn you with loving kindness. <clears throat> when we think of all the judgmental things that Jeremiah perhaps is more famous for saying, there are whole chapters like this one where he emphasises the love of God and what the Lord wants to do when he brings the nation back together. I will turn their mourning into dancing. I'll give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Those sort of promises. Then, chapter 32, verse 17. Um, <clears throat> he says he prays to the Lord our sovereign Lord you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm nothing is too hard for you and that is something we can remember too all the time that is great comfort and encouragement to us there is nothing too hard for God and he says uh, the Lord, word of the Lord then came to Jeremiah and he says is anything too hard for me no and then again he said this is what the Lord says he who made the earth the Lord is his name call to me and I will answer you call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know and Jeremiah had an inkling that there would be a wonderful time of peace In in the end in God's kingdom he uh, sensed perhaps that there would be the Messiah eventually the Lord Jesus Christ that but we know now that the great and unsearchable things that he did not know were things were was the fact that the Lord had would come that God would come to earth in person in the person of Christ and that is the bedrock of our lives as we might need to swim against the flow sometimes in our own society and among people with whom we live. Thank you.